Welcome back to The Price for Paradise. My name's Woody, a.k.a. Creston Woods, and with me today we have Jason Zelich. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Jason owns a yoga studio called One Tribe Yoga. Is that like the full name for it? Uh, Yoga and Wellness. And Wellness. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, they run a bunch of yoga classes over there. I actually took my girlfriend over there. Um, last week actually and we did a session and it was amazing you guys have a great aesthetic and it is a beautiful place so yeah Thank you. awesome yeah. and so um, what got you into the yoga studio and like you know tell us a little bit about your story and how you became like you know the owner of a yoga place sure thanks man uh, well I've always been an entrepreneur I'm, uh, I've been self-employed pretty much since I was about 14 started off with the paper route back in Connecticut yeah and I just really, I, I worked for a couple of little businesses here and there along the journey, but uh, I'd say 95% of my life up until the age 48 now has been um, self-employed where I've been in charge and, and, and responsible for, you know, uh, not just earning my keep, but making sure I'm, I'm uh, you know, doing it in a way that, that serves my values and and helping people along the way. I've you get always, to follow your personal purpose. Like yeah, it's, I've always yeah. I've always had this passion for like helping people and and of being of service, but in a multitude of ways. You like know, how I, can you be of service? Not just like you know be a service for like someone else's path, right? Like you can provide your value in a different way. Yeah, um, I inherited a, a pretty good quality from my father of, of uh, a bold personality and the ability to sort of be witty and creative kind of on the fly. So <clears throat> even as a paper boy, I was creative in like how I would um, present the newspaper to the people. Like if I knew if they were of, of elderly age, rather than just throwing the newspaper on the floor, I would open the screen door and kind of pinch it in between the screen door at eye level yeah. so they could just easily open up the door and get the paper. A little bit more noticeable, a little you know, bit like kind of in their face, but it gave them to grade the paper better. And it came natural and I was yeah. a waiter for a little bit and, um, you know, just literally serving people at the table and kids um, was a blast. I just could just be myself and I got, you know, better tips for it in the end. So it was like, yeah. I started to see a, a pattern to this. Um, and it's just has keep, it just has kept, um, kind of evolving through that. Um, my journey t- took me to, uh, the modeling world for a little bit. Oh, I started, nice. I started off in New York city and then ended up out in Europe. Uh, and a similar thing became apparent where, you know, everybody in line waiting for the job could get the job. They all had the looks. They could do. They could take photos really well. They were six foot two. They fit the build. It's of just the, like the profile of model. Yeah, you know, it you, was there. You everybody had yeah. it. I realized soon, early on, that you know the client was also looking for like, well, hey, we're going to go to South Africa for ten days. Do we want to go down there with somebody who's full of themselves or somebody who can like just hold a normal conversation and not have to be all about, you know, who they photographed with? Yeah, we need a down to earth person. Yeah. Yeah. So and I didn't have to force that. It just kind of happened. So the career went really well. I ended up living out in Paris for like seven years. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, That's where I met my wife. Oh, amazing. uh, Near the Eiffel Tower. Nice little story there. Yeah. And we lived together out there for five years. And um she too was feeling this pull towards like servicing, you know, being of service and, um, though in her own words, being part of the solution, not part of the problem. She started to really feel, um, 
what was going on with the female model and the younger girls coming up and what and this she is was not being health. portrayed, yeah. you know, and how it was getting these young girls to think about their own bodies and themselves. And it was an unrealistic, unobtainable goal because of Photoshop and just because of how women were really encouraged to, you know, be in that industry, just remain skinny. Yeah, to just and get just to, to look point, a certain right? way, right? And, and like it started at some to point, really wear on bad for your body. Yeah, bad it for your really life. started to wear on Carrie and like the mental health of the young woman coming up. And she's like, "I'm out. I want to go back to the states. I want to get my massage license, and I want to start helping people. I want to start go on the other end of the spectrum, making people feel good instead of like you know depleting everything." Yeah, yeah. And so I, at that point, I was I had started a, my a next business was which was uh, web design. Oh, nice. Oh, you're very diverse. You know, you have web design and then yoga, like complete opposite spectrum. Well, yeah. Well, the uh, further backstory is I I was, I I have a fine arts background. So throughout my childhood and teens and high school and a little bit of college, I was dabbling in art, sculpting, painting, airbrushing. I had a business in high school for airbrushing. So, you know, I I enjoy just using my my talents and then capitalizing on them. Yeah, of course. Like, I was selling paper airplanes for 25 cents on the school bus because I drew flames on them. You're like, I figured out how to make a good one and now it's, you know, a business. Let's make some lunch money on the way to school, you know? Uh, So when she was ready to make the move, I had started a web company um, utilizing the downtime, which was a lot in the modeling world. And a web company is great because you can take it on, you know, on the web, like on the road. You can take it wherever you want, right? It was really our first taste at like the mobile workplace because me and my partner even though we were both in paris we were doing everything through messenger so i was like well hey listen carrie wants to move back we're gonna go to arizona she's going to school but i'll just we'll just keep doing this if anything i'll just get more clients in phoenix for us you stay here in paris and now our website can look like we've got offices in two countries and two great cities and we're really just two people yeah you know but the power of you know of advertising. And, yeah, you know. that's what the internet's like, right? Like you, you get the face on both sides of it, and then it's like you have a huge brand in both areas, and you have both markets. Yeah. yeah. So that that brought us back here, and um, but I wasn't into yoga yet. I have I was still on a, um, even though I was following my creative path, I was um, simultaneously destroying myself with addictions. Addictions. I grew up with a household of um, alcoholics. And um, soft drug use, I would yeah. call it. Um, and so yeah, I was well, going down that path. Yeah, and so you were. Um, how old about this time? Uh, well, my twenties, mid twenties, mid twenties. Yeah. I was, I was uh, going strong. Yeah, mm-hmm. hey, no, I feel you there. I've been, you know, in that place too. So for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, what helped you get out of that, and what made you know that be like uh, not the road that you take? Because obviously, now it doesn't look like that's more of a staple. Yeah. Uh, well, it took a little bit of rock bottom. You know, there was a, a you need long, the reality check. A sometimes. long weekend in my in my on my path where it was quite obvious that there was a problem. Um, you know, and uh, my wife just kind of spoke up softly, like, "Hey, it looks like you're going down a certain direction, and I'm going in this direction. I don't know that this is gonna, you know, be sustainable." And uh, she was cool about it. She was supportive. She already knew that there was an issue. This wasn't the first time we talked about it, but this was um, a, 
a little step of her foot coming down of like you know we do live together and we're trying to create this a life is together a, you know we have to grow together at the same time yeah. yeah so um i took it as a hint i woke up the next morning i called my buddy who's been sober and you know was like well, where do i do where do i go and I don't have kids. We, we couldn't have kids. We, we almost did. And um, so that was uh, not for our, us. It wasn't in our cards. And, you know, I didn't go to church. And I was like, well, what do I do? Uh, you know, what am I going to do this for? I feel like everybody who got sober had like something to do it for. You know, they had kids yeah. to set a good image for, you know, God or something. Yeah. This is, yeah. The only thing was just your wife telling you like, hey, you need to, you know. Yeah. Whip it into shape, brother. <laughs> yeah. And my buddy kind of said the same thing. He's like, hey, everyone's going to have their own reason. He yeah. goes, I'll send you the big book. Go to some meetings. You'll figure it out. You know? So he sent me the big book. I went to a meeting, I think that day. I started, went yeah. to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and um, started the journey. Um, and that was a Monday. And literally Tuesday night, I went to a yoga class. My wow. wife was teaching. She had been teaching yeah. once a week over at Lifetime Fitness, a yin class, which is just a very restorative. Love yin. You, you know. just stay in like one pose yeah. for like three minutes and it's just like kind of painful, but then you get uncomfortable and then you sit and you you relax into it and you and it unlock a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know that. So yeah. I like, was like, let me come see what this yoga thing's all about. Yeah. And next thing I know, I'm like bawling my eyes out, you know, and I'm like, why am I doing what's going yeah, on? You just been holding all this tension in all these random so places. Much. You don't even know. And then it finally got to release it so much. And it's funny that yeah, your wife was, you know, teaching. Yeah. And you finally like had that realization too. Yeah. And she's so good, man. You know, she's, a, she's always been like, you know, yoga is not something you can like pull somebody into, like they need to want to come to it. It's so kind of like the program itself, like the 12 step program, yeah. just getting sober. You can't the interventions don't really work. You know that No. getting, you know, and cause what she did wasn't really an intervention. She was pretty calm about it and just kind of made a statement. Yeah. There was no threat. There was no, nothing really involved with that. Um, so yoga was very similar and it was great because I wasn't forced it. I pulled into it. I was curious and therefore I stuck with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then the rest is kind of history. I, you know, that catapulted me into a, a yoga teacher training, uh, really just to go along for the ride. My wife was going along to do it. And I didn't realize how much I needed that practice in my life of just <laughs> self this teacher training was an intensive 22 day program. Every day we meditated, did two strong practices a day, ate vegan, journaled, did a lot of sharing. I mean, it was like therapy. There's like another path. If you're not like going, say the religious route, um, with the 12 step program that you can take into like a yoga practice, right? Like that's amazing how that, that like translates and how you took that, you know, running with that simultaneously. Yeah. What a coincidence of like timing and like, you know, lifestyle. So yeah, I mean, it's clear why you opened a yoga studio. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was, that was a battle. That was kind of the next hurdle because, okay, I came back as a yoga teacher, lifetime fitness wanted to hire me right away. So I jumped right into that family and taught at uh, three clubs around the Valley and I was enjoying it. It was helping my journey of like staying sober, staying strong, true to myself, exploring, but then being able to teach it right away too. 
but then also like how did you feel being in the corporate structure of like lifetime and like inside of like oh, yeah, the sucked. big yeah <laughs> and then there's that side of it because you're talking about the freedoms earlier and you're talking about like the ability to be your own man and entrepreneur and then like then you're working at a big box gym like lifetime where it's like corporate and everything's like very you know nitpicky oh yeah extremely <laughs> nitpicky <laughs> yeah well i diversified so i taught at like a couple other studios as well yeah um including a recovery center so oh, it was a nice. really nice mix where i was like distinctly serving people who just came off the streets with like some crazy addictions and were just looking for any sort of you know, advice, guidance. I mean, they were getting professional guidance, but then to be able to come in and, and work with, you know, breathing techniques or just a bunch of yin yoga, very rarely could I even do standing stuff with these guys. It was in a living room in this big house and I would just kind of read the room. Some people would be laying on the couch because they're still coming off of something. Yeah. And I would just speak to them in a certain way and then just guide the room in another way and just hold space. Sometimes we just sit and breathe or, you know, and the music and just, I would just kind of tune it. And it was so great. It was such a good, um, uh, you know, stepping stone on my recovery to like directly give back like that through these tools that I had been taught. So I wasn't even like coming out of like anything that I was claiming I knew. Cause it's like, it's one, it's one day at a time, yeah. you know, and they're in the program and it's one day at a time. And yoga is like one day at a time too. They don't want to say it like that, but it's like, Hey, there's no real goal here. No, it's like you just, just keep, keep getting on it. the mat. And you, just, today's a new body. There's a new mindset. You're going to be in a, a different mood. Let's work with that. Yeah. Let's not work with like, it's got, you know, stop looking at your watch. Stop looking at calories. Yoga's this journey of like, you working have tools, with right? Like, yourself. and you're putting in your tool belt, right? You have your yoga tool belt and you can pull out these moves when you feel anxiety, when you feel that addiction, craving that withdrawal, that thing that right. is like, you need a state change from. Right. And, and you, what, uh, what better way to, than <clears throat> yoga or like to move the body or to breathe because like the breath itself is like, you know, the foundation of all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah. Um, and so continue, uh, like, sure. Yeah, well, well, here's bit, where yeah. it got fun is because yeah. then I was teaching at a bunch of places Yeah. and corporate. And then some of them were some mom and pop shops and a couple things in between, you know, and I literally was doing, I think 22 classes a week at one point. Oh, wow. And it was by design, <laughs> yeah. you know, because our teacher who I had the utmost respect for, um, you know, we went through and I did multiple trainings with him in the, I probably trained about 800 yeah. hours with this guy in the, in total. Oh, wow. Back and forth to Detroit. <laughs> yeah. He's based out of Michigan. And, um, you know, he has an incredible way of doing feedback, uh, with yourself when you're teaching and also with other teachers so that we're just always like trying to better each other. You know, it comes from a place of love, but nobody's getting an A in a, in a teaching, in nobody's a, from hiding a teaching their position. Secrets, right? There's They're always something to grow Handing something off and like, you know, trying to help everyone, you know, better their practice. Yeah. Cause you know, yeah, that's the dangerous place you want to get to is you think you've like, you're like the king, like you're like the best. Of you it know, all. the speak secret move. Like there's no secret move. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> and there's always going to be a chance for you to be more connected to the the type of people you have in that room that you maybe just didn't see or hear or feel and that's why having a you know a companion or a, a colleague that can start to do some really astute feedback with you on that presentation or on that class just helps you like 
see through some blind spots that you didn't know you might have had. Yeah. And then just how the, it might be subjective versus objective feedback, but to get the feedback is like gold. Yeah. Just feedback and it's in like, itself. And yeah. the way that he became the, the, as powerful as a teacher as he became is he would give himself that feedback. And he's like, because I was teaching so many classes, I would give myself instant feedback after class. And then I know. would go and teach another class and put that feedback into play Cause I was teaching again within like eight hours or less, <laughs> not like once a week. And you try to give yourself some feedback and then think that in a week's time, you're going to even remember what that feedback was. You didn't have time. Yeah. So it was like, give yourself feedback and then go trim the fat and just do it better now. Yeah. You just keep, you know, I guess tweaking along the way. You can't just like, you know, stop and go practice. Like you got to You have class to teach now. Like, so yeah. you just like, you know, tweak that class, tweak, tweak, tweak. Well, and I see you in there with boxing students or people in the gym. And it's like, if someone has goals and you see something wrong with their form, it's like, give them feedback quick and let them put it into place real quick so that they can build that memory. Otherwise old patterns are going to kick in. And if they don't, if they're not boxing until next week or doing biceps again until next week, they're not going to remember that. It's not going to be as clear as it would be right then and there. Yeah. And speaking of patterns, I mean, yoga is like, you know, (laughs) all about like correct patterning, right. And, and creating the, the proper pattern and positioning throughout, you know, an entire practice. And if you're not stacked, you can feel it and you'll lose it in your, you know, weakest link and, and it shows and it's a very great awareness tool in itself yeah yeah <laughs> so i was you know just to go, i was like following his footsteps he said you know the way i got to that point was teaching a lot of classes and i just got better quicker you know that ten thousand hours just came quicker so that i had it in my mind 20 classes a week yeah. so i got the 22 tell, take us through a little bit like what a like a class would be like with you do you like stand at the front do you show the move and then you talk through it and then walk around and adjust people well no that's the cool part we don't model and this ah, is our teachers which is distinct um uh breakthrough really on his journey was that everybody's body is unique so why would i want to stand in the front of the room and do something that i've been doing you know whether or not i've even been doing yoga for you know a long time i have different hips than you i have different injuries than you so i'm not going to try to you know, a couple of reasons why we're not going to look like each other. So don't get people to try to contort their body to look like your body. That was number one. Everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody's different. And if you're looking at me or if you're looking at somebody, you're not breathing, you're not in your present body. Yeah. You're not inside you. And this is huge because my teacher would do, he was brought up through a practice called Ashtanga and a Vipassana meditation background. And Ashtanga is the same sequence every time. And back in the day, it was student teacher and you would do each posture in sequence. And if you couldn't get into a posture, you would try your best. Then you would just go to the end of that sequence called the finishing sequence. And then you'd go home and you come back the next day and you try again. You'd go through these poses. You'd get to that one that you were stuck on. How are we doing today? Yep. We're almost there, but not there yet. Go to the finishing sequence, come back tomorrow. And it would progress and you would have to wait until the teacher basically oh, gave you a pose. I like this. So, yeah. right. That was kind of the way it was brought up. It then more, it morphed into like a full classroom and it, that was, it yeah. became a little bit more modernized, but our teacher experienced it like that. And even in the classes, the teacher would verbalize it in a certain way of like, you know, you're not there yet. Go to, you know, and it would, it would, that tradition was sort of retained. 
But when he started getting deeper into meditation, and now Vipassana meditation is just sitting, no music, no guidance. Yeah, mindfulness. For a long yeah. time. We're talking 10 days, 10 hours a day, just no talking, sitting. no eye contact. Like you're in it with it without distraction. And that was the key part without distraction. And the silence and like the stillness became this really, uh, um, it became apparent that that's really, that's where yoga almost really started. Ashtanga came later almost. And so he, he was figuring out, okay, well, how do I meld the two? Because he realized Ashtanga, there was a problem too, because now we were craving a next pose. So while some people might think it's great that, oh, good, I'm going to wait till I get it right, quote unquote. Yeah. You know, now we're like, A, we're depending on a teacher to tell us when it's time. So now we're giving power to somebody else. Not to say that we're not trusting them. And we're boxing ourselves stuff. into this, like, you know, structure, though, and when there's, you know, other ways to, you know, well, skin a cat. the craving became yeah. the thing, because when you start looking at the Buddha and the old traditions, there's like this, our psyche, our, the, the dance that Tony Robbins kind of calls it is like toggling between like what we fear and what we crave the most. Like we're always bouncing between the two yeah. and they're because they're both temporary. We get to one, it's over. We go to the next one, we go to the other one back. We're just back and forth. Yep. And yoga is looking for the middle point. He yeah. wants, you know, equanimity is the goal, not craving something pleasant, not pushing away from something unpleasant, just being, just being in it. Like yeah. it's, it's temporary. Okay. You might want it, but don't reach for it. Just, just take a breath. Like yeah. what, you know, what is, what's really at play. Right. So he discovered that and he saw Ashtanga and he's like, ah, there's kind of a problem here. Ashtanga, Ashtangis, they're craving this next pose. There's a little bit of winning going on in the yeah. studio. Students want to get to the second yeah. series and the third series. There was more series available once you get by the first one. <laughs> but the truth was like most people, even up to today, barely make it through the first series. So this was a big lofty goal, but it was a goal. And now they were like looking ahead, yeah. looking into the future. And they're not and being not in yoga. the moment. Yeah. That's a different kind present. of yoga. Yeah. So our teacher, Johnny Kest, who I, you know, attribute all this to, um, he, he started to blend it and, and, and brought this mix of don't model, don't let them get distracted with what's really going on inside. So when we teach back to your question, sorry for the tangent, yeah. we are very much in the class with everybody looking at how we're teaching, how it's being conveyed and yes, making adjustments where we see it, but really letting them figure it out too. Like I'm not going to call every little nuance out because I don't know what's going on in their body. Yeah. So the way we teach and the way that we verbalize the cues is like, does this feel stable to you? Not do this or else you won't be stable. Like, hey, try to pull some energy from this area. Try to breathe into this area. Try to push into the floor versus make sure to stack your hips or make sure to do this or be careful not to do this. We don't kind of go that down that road. There are some schools yeah. who do, um, and there's some story behind that that we can get into at another time of like where all these teachers sort of originated from. So there's a very good reason why that's being done. But the truth is, there's a lot of different schools out there now. Yoga studios, they're everywhere. Yeah, they're they're some of them might not even know that why they teach the way they teach. But we have a very distinct background and foundation of why we do it. There's a history and the, to and it. And the breath is the focus. Yeah, the foundation. It comes down to the breathing. All right. You know? Yeah, tell me why. Tell me what, 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 why is the breath the foundation for everything? Well, if you know you're breathing, you know you're in the present moment. 
So if you're looking at somebody else and you're aspiring and you're craving or you're pushing away from something you're afraid of, you're not in the present moment and you're not aware that you're breathing. So we cue the breath more than any kind of like alignment or again, back to like, make sure to do this. We're not spending time with that sort of guidance. It's like, take a deep breath in and out. Well, the breath is a movement pattern in itself, right? Like it's an internal movement pattern and people don't talk about like, yeah, just because you're moving properly on the outside, are you moving properly with your diaphragm down low and inside? Yeah. And our sequencing is built distinctly with each breath. When you come to our vinyasa classes, that is. Um, Every move you're making has a very distinct breath associated with it versus just get into the pose and then let's start breathing. We are always giving you breath to move every part of your body to get into every pose of the sequences as the class advances forward. Um, And this is from Ashtanga. If you ever take an Ashtanga class, every single move has a distinct breath as well as a dristi, which is where your eyes are meant to be focused. Yeah. So we have no mirrors in the studio for the same reason. Stop looking around. What are you looking at? Like get back to breathing, focus, and let's get to the good stuff. Because we're like a goldfish, right? Like the mind is so easily distracted, whether it's the clothing or somebody else's pose that we wish we could do, or then the, the, the mind will just go. And guess what? You have no idea if you're breathing in or out at that point. Yeah. So we just keep bringing them back. When we're teaching, we have no music and we get right to the nervous system and we teach clear, simple, distinct things to do with your hands, your feet, your hips, your shoulders, your head and your breath. And we set them up for success. We give them the the nervous system like exactly what they need. And then we bring in the music. Then we let them go explore that. However fast or slow, however many sequences or postures they want to retain in that particular flow, have at it. This is about liberation, not about do what the teacher says or else. Yeah. And the funny part is that's the big people are, they realize once you make that switch. Yeah. Cause they realize in the beginning they're trying their damnedest to do everything the teacher said. They've been raised like that. Our society almost has like burned it into their night nervous system. Like do exactly what I say. And just be really tense and like stuck in that, like uh, fear mindset where it's like, I can't get this wrong when you're like, no, no, let go. And you'll get it right when you let go. But you have to let go first, right? Like you can't just like, you don't just get it. You yeah. have to really just accept it and surrender to the poses because a lot of times people, yeah, have a hard time. They're always holding in that brace, that tension from trauma or life or kids or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. We're, you know, we're not a studio for everybody. There, there's been some pretty profound statements made to, from some students who were like, I can't stand that you stop teaching and you expect me to like know what to do. I just need somebody to tell me what to do for the whole class. And I'm like, Ooh, listen to what you just said. Like you need someone to do, to tell you what to do for the whole class. Like, you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's not to say that, you know, it's wrong or right. But we are on the we are on the other side of that. Like we want you to feel empowered to do what you're capable of doing, and we're going to keep pulling you towards the fire to push yourself a little bit harder, and that you, then you would at home. Because if you're at home, you're going to coast. Yeah, you're going to be there's, stuck in all there's these. There's two type of people we have patterns. in class. Yeah, there's two type of people you have usually have in class. You have pushers or coasters, 
And the pushers are probably already in the hospital. They probably already <laughs> over pushed themselves to an injury. So you usually have a room full of coasters. Yeah. So if you give them any kind of an out or any kind of a lenient little bit, they're going to take it. And that's not helping their cause. They're no. coming here for transformation. Transformation is not going to happen by taking breaks. No, consistency. It's only 60 minutes, man. Yeah. We don't have a lot of time. You Let's can keep do going. It. And you can do it every day. That's the thing. It's like there's not a, yeah. not a day that goes by there where you can't stretch and you can't you know do some yoga and be in a classroom for an hour because like your body can handle that uh, like if you're a power lifter and you go destroy your legs you can't do that day after day after day after day no but you can do a yoga practice every single day and how much better do you get when you are consistent versus when you're not consistent in anything sure <laughs> yeah yeah so tell us about um just like how many teachers do you guys have and like what is like the yoga studio aesthetic like and what does it look like? Can you describe it for us? I know this isn't like a video podcast. Yeah, so, that's all yeah. right. I'm good with my words. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So we inspired the aesthetics wise from really simple, natural elements, uh, you know, sort of sturdy and uh, and simple, you know, so without, you know, any complexities you know we, we just kept everything simple so that each element can can sort of stand out on its own and and the and the, the brand and, and or and the the focus almost let the person the focus is almost about the person at that point because there's not too many distractions you know the photos in there are all of like students in the studio and you know there's limited retail and branding but it's not like this big cluttered lobby full Very of trinkets, and yeah. you know, and, and in the yoga room, there's no, you know, crazy designs and patterns. It's a very like simple one nice sconce throughout the whole place. Uh, you know, a vaulted ceiling, all black. So nothing's like standing out and the, yeah, whatever yeah. lights are there can just kind of have some space around them. Yeah. Dimly uh, lit, nothing too, you know, bright yeah. and crazy to, you know, keep you down. Again, less distractions. Yeah. You know, you wanted to walk in and not have your eyes zip around and all these different things, taking your attention, a, a red thing over here and a blue thing over here and a yellow tapestry and a, a book and a couple of things. And the first, sale sign in the box. It's like, just keep it simple. Yeah. You know, they're already busy coming in. Their brain's already on high mock speeds. Let's just get them in here in a quick and easy, happy, safe, you know, comfortable way and just crawl into the studio, get on your mat, come to your breath. And you I know? love that you keep mentioning the eyes and like how important that is to like the nervous system and like how like overstimulated you can get in life with just our crazy you know in the we live in a city so we don't really get that relaxation of looking into open spaces we're just you know looking at you know, cars and driving 60 miles an hour on the freeway and it's a lot more intense than our natural eyes are supposed to you know take in and like so getting away from that and also just how much that impacts the way we move because you know you can get a lot more range of motion with the ways you guys cue looking and the, the ways you guys um, cue those eye postures. So, yeah, talk a little bit about the eyes for us a little bit if you can. Um, well, yeah, you know, the, in, in yoga it's called the dristi, like focused eyes, and it's always somewhere on you. It's never like off across the room somewhere because who knows what we're really then yeah. looking at. Um, we even have a class where we close your eyes 
It's called Long, Slow, and Deep. It's called LSD. It's on the schedule. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a, a, a slower curated vinyasa class. And vinyasa just means connecting movement with breathing. So that can be at any speeds or any, any kind of postures. But we do like a slower vinyasa class where it's more grounded. And we even supply blindfolds. So you oh. take the eyes completely out. And you have to light up all your other senses. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like meditation. Like you're to meditate, close your eyes. That's meditation. Now go inwards, pick up on everything you're experiencing. Welcome to the work, you know, and now the harder work, don't react. Stop reacting. Stop wasting energy. Stop going through all this stuff to fidget and fix and just calm. Right. And so. Yeah. The eyes, that's, you know, kind of back to the aesthetics, like calming, coming in, simple stuff is already set of setting that tone. The way that we teach with no music, there's not distractions. You know, a lot of studios will teach with music banging at the same time. That's like, well, what am I supposed to be listening to right now? Yeah. This is a great song. The lyrics are going, but you're also telling me something to do with my rib cage and, you know, stacks and bones. Like, I don't know what that, my, my brain's going. Too many nuts. vibrations. Yeah, yeah. My nervous system's maxing out again. Or even the, vi- the the echoing in the room. Yeah, A lot of studios that I taught at did not pay attention to that. And so that was a lot of stuff I pulled from where I was teaching around town is how many places weren't paying attention to the quality of all of these senses, the sensory experience that the students going through upon entry and then during the class, this connection that's meant to be happening between teacher and student. Some of these hot classes, because it's so humid, they just have mirrors, walls, and a hardwood floor. I mean, we're talking about reverb worse than you've ever heard before. <laughs> yeah. And to try to like speak sentences is like almost difficult. And then the whole point is to do, do, it's just vibrating. Do the opposite, and then right? music comes on and that's just like a horrendous mix. And then you have those, sometimes they're doing both. And I'm like, wow. Guys, That's a lot. Guys. This is like I'm walking out of here more nervous than when I came yeah, in. All tensed up, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, one tribe we I have carpeting up above, wrapped around the the ceiling. If you go look, it looks like black paint, but it's really like five feet of this acoustic carpeting and insulation up on the top, and cubbies with extra amounts of blankets and curtains to trap the reverb. So we paid huge attention to making sure the voice and the music just lands nice to the student. And it's just a, a pleasure, a, a, ple, a, a um, pleasurable experience. Um, so they can just get on that journey without, you know, extra, extra things in the nervous system. And so um, I know that wasn't talking about the eyes too much, yeah, but no. you know, that is the nervous system in general. Yeah. Um, the eyes, again, the ears, the mouth, the senses in, in general. Yeah. And so, um, I want to take it off of uh, the yoga studio just for a second because I know another practice that you have is in the same world that I'm in and triathlon. And so uh, let's pull that off. And I know that that has been a big thing for me in my addiction control um, in my life. So I I had a lot of similar paths going on. You know, I was living in Hawaii um, for five years and I definitely needed some sort of, uh, I guess, hobby or a thing that I could use to fill the place of those addictions. And I used Ironman Triathlon as uh, 
you know, my thing. And so I took half Ironmans um, with my buddy. I've done two of them so far. I failed at one of them, made one of them. But let's talk about you. And uh, you've just told me you did one in Italy. Uh, in France. Or in France, sorry. France. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, tell us a little bit about the France and everything about that. Yeah, well, the France one was my first attempt at yeah. that distance. Um, and it was exciting, man. It was it was off the charts fun. Um, you know, I trained really well for it. So it was a, a nice testament to putting in the hard work so that the event was enjoyable. Yeah, you I, weren't <laughs> gruesome. Like, no, I don't know if I can make it right I from the start. I was prepared. You know, I yeah. was prepared mentally for the struggle that was if and when it comes up. Because training sucks. You know, and it's supposed to suck so that you're familiar with all the discomfort. So when the, when the time comes, you've got those tools, Yeah. how to manage that, whether it's sucking water in the swim or, you know, burping on your water while you're running or fumbling <laughs> with eating while you're biking oh, or man. all the stuff, right? <laughs> all the variables. Yeah. All the variables. No, you so you learn. do enough of them during training in addition to, you know, really straining your body and your lungs and stuff. So you just build up a nice tolerance um, so that the event can be like, enjoyable and it was because my one of my values or one of my reasons really for getting into it was um as much as i love like owning a studio and you know we do massages there and we're, we're indoors a lot so i'm in literally these boxes and i wanted to get outside the box you know a reason i almost left web design and and got into some of this, you know, more was because I was in this isolated box in my home office. And I'm like, I like to be around people. Why am I sitting home on a, on a computer all day? This is not as good as it gets. There's gotta be something else. And it is, it's great. Now we have a community, we have people, we have, you know, and what a community it is, right? Like those, those people are amazing. There's such high energy. I mean, do you have to be, to be able to do these kinds of events? Yeah. (laughs) For sure. And, um, so, you know, getting into it was like to get back out into nature, to, to push myself physically, mentally, emotionally in some more ways than yoga was giving me um, and, and, a, and a, a, like a larger sense of community with these people who do these events. Because yeah. now you're with other like-minded people like we have in our studio, but now people who like to like go with endurance and they have a little bit of trial and error under their belt. And, um, and again, they just have this excitement for pushing themselves through the normal persons like, you know, are astonished that we would go this distance on foot, bike and swimming. Like, you know, how the heck would you go 70 miles? Like that's insane. But they're like I get tired driving 70 miles. Some people tell me, but yeah. a lot of times you can like, you know, make those uh, parallels to meditations, um, like a running meditation, a swimming meditation and a biking meditation. Cause you get into those zones, you get into those, you know, almost autopilot, like I'm in a flow state and it's, you're in nature and you're breathing on rhythm and it is, you know, nothing like nothing else, you know, that you could find in a yoga studio though. You could find that same feeling, you know, those are all those same flow state type triggers. Right. right? For sure. And I've noticed that too in the training because I used to use music and then one day my headphones broke (laughs) and I tried it without it. And I was like, you know what? I can't use them when I'm racing. Let me just train without it for now and just see what's up. And all of a sudden it switched you know, it really became this moving meditation component. Now, whereas before, you know, I like music, I work with it in my classes all week long, and it almost became a distraction to training because I would either be sick of a song 
because I've heard it way too many times in class, or I'd hear a really sweet song and I have to get my phone out and I want to add it to a playlist and then get it to a thing and then get the phone back in my pocket and then get back into training. And that was just happening too often. Not to mention how much um, the change of like beat changes your heart rate and breathing rhythm like if you if a song starts to ramp up you start to get this energy and yeah. then you start to start running a little bit harder and all of a sudden you just gassed yourself out of some carbohydrate and then all of us yeah you're, you're, you're supposed you're to be fighting, in zone yeah. two exactly but eminem just came on and you're now in zone six <laughs> yeah exactly you're like shit i'm off of training now <laughs> so no now I've, I've for eight months now i've been no music and Amazing. I'm out there for like four hour rides now with no tunes and just letting my breath and just the, you know, absorption of nature do, you know, just take over. And it's been great. Yeah. The one thing for me is on the swim is like it's backwards breathing. So I'm always like preaching nose, nose, nose. If you're on land, breathe through your nose. Like, you know, you can push up to like 90% of your heart rate through the nose. And so if we can stay nose only yeah. all the time above above water, but then you get to water, right? And then it's like, oh. Well, opposite. Go in the mouth, sure. out the nose, and, you know, the timing of it, and so swimming. So if you could give me some pointers on swimming, are you a good swimmer? Um, let me know. I would call myself a good swimmer now. Yeah? Yeah, and I was not in the beginning, and this race up in Flagstaff this weekend um, challenged that because in France, I crushed the swim. I swam the entire mile and a half or whatever it is nonstop without panicking i passed people i was weaving through stuff had Heck complete yeah. control over it and that was the very first time i experienced that in a race up until then i was on my back a lot yeah. i was <laughs> gasping fighting to get in fighting yeah. stuff <laughs> and i'd finally broken through and it was a tribute to training just pushing through and getting through the muck and 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 the the consistency of that you know well so I would call myself a good swimmer. Flagstaff challenge that because we're at 6,000 feet now, 7,000 yeah. feet altitude. Oh, elevation matters. Crushed me. <laughs> I was on my back again. Yeah. Um, but I did, last year I did that same race, half the distance. I got out of the water in 44 minutes last year. This year, double the distance. I got out of the water in 44 minutes. Oh, so you're so a even better swimmer. I was yeah. struggling, something was going on still where I still got out of the water almost twice as quick. Um, and honestly, I would say it is, um, getting some good drills to do while you're swimming before you do your main workout, there should be about 10 to 15 laps of good drills of all shapes and sizes, like whether that's holding or your breath yeah. or kicks oh. or swimming with one arm out in front for six and a half kicks and then changing arms and just working on like lengthening your body out. Because a great metaphor I got from a book was the longer the ship, the faster it is. Oh, so you use so you that. Learn how you want to get use it yeah, as much as you can. And then create your power. And you do Leverage. it quicker as you yeah. need to, but you want to get familiar with getting your body long and flat and on top of the water, including your thing. legs. So the legs. So I've been, I, I realized the more I tuck my head, the better my legs stay up out of the water. And that's always been my cue is always just like, tuck that head, tuck that head, tuck that head. Yeah. But it, if I ever look up and I, and I screw myself, my legs go underneath. And that has been, yeah, the biggest fix for me at the, at least at first. Yeah, and it almost became, um, uh, yeah, for sure. You want to be looking down. And the Lake Mary up in Flagstaff, it's murky water. I didn't even wear goggles because there was no point. 
you can't see in that water. Yeah. So I went no goggles, no wetsuit. And I just kept my head tucked and closed my eyes and just swam. And you just have, when you're going to look, you got to get your head out of the water anyway to sight. And you just get familiar with doing that. I would say do that while you're training. So you train with your head down so you can get your form and your, your rotation, your torso, head. This way you're not rotating just your head to breathe, yeah. but your torso is doing it. And then your head's already there. That helps. So you're not, oh, tweaking, so you're your not neck, tweaking your neck the whole just time. Just to breathe. You're, doing, you're moving everything from the core. Yeah. So it becomes a core move, which helps your legs too. And when your eyes are closed, there's nothing to see. Kind of like meditation again, right? It's like back yeah. to this. Just close your eyes and get your... At that point, I was... My drills had ingrained the right patterns in my reach and my pull. And you could feel it kick. in the water, right? That Because the water gives that like, you know, textile feel. You can feel water through your hand through it, right? And so yeah. once you feel the pattern, you just repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah. yeah. And when your eyes are closed, like our LSD class with a blindfold... You are just feeling your body in a whole new way. You're not distracted by what you can or can't see. You're just feeling everything's everything's just automatically on a little bit of a heightened sense. Yeah. You know, I do it when I'm running. I'll close my eyes often and make sure my balance is like there and see if I'm coming down on the feet in the right way and how's it feeling my knees and my yeah. hips and make sure I feel light. And I'm not like dragging anything or putting too much tension. Yeah. People don't talk, don't talk a lot about that proprioceptive feel yeah. that you get. Um, and you got to close your eyes sometimes. And, and the more, you know, you do ingrain these patterns, the more you feel it. And yeah. that, that is something to be told that if you, you know, the further you go, the more you feel it. And so, yeah, yeah I wouldn't recommend doing it on the bike. Oh no, please don't close your <laughs> eyes on the bike. You will crash. But swimming and running, it totally helps. To close them down for a second. Maybe on the See stationary. Yeah, I guess. You know? <laughs> stationary bike. Sure. <laughs> yeah. There's something about waking up the senses. Like it's automatic, you know, letting nature guide you in a sense. Yeah, definitely. Pretty fun. And uh, so what's the, uh, on the agenda now? So like any future races, anything um, on the docket yeah, coming I do, up? Man, I'm doing a full in November. You're doing a full I'm in gonna November? I'm going to do the full in Tempe That's huge. Yeah. And so uh, are you ready? Like, are you excited? Yeah. Like where, where are you in your training process for November? Uh, well, I've already, you know, the app that I'm using has already been training me for it. That used this, <laughs> this last race was, I, I classified it as like a B race. So it, um, it, it really almost ignored it. So even leading up to this race, I have already been training for the Ironman as far as like the distances. Yeah. Cause you need to train differently if you're doing that, you know? Full. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so honestly, I haven't even looked at my upcoming schedule because I'm just resting since it was just two days ago or three days ago. Yeah. Um, tomorrow I'll look at it and then I'll start making a schedule based on the intensities that it's going to start delivering. But I imagine my Saturday mornings will become like five hour, you know, dedicated <laughs> yeah. sessions coming up. That is the hardest part about Ironman in itself is just the time currency that it takes to train for it yeah. is, is you have to put in an hour here, an hour there and an hour there. Like, you know, three times, two times a day, or even a couple double hours, you know, and three hour shifts. And you're like, Oh man, yeah. that, that you have to find these time blocks while working while, you know, have the family do your thing, you know? So That's that tricky. is, yeah, it is tricky. So it does take a lot of time currency, but it's worth it. in every, you know, every facet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm loving it. And it's really, it, it you know, be, having a race coming up forces you really, if you want to do it smart 
to make the time to get it done, right? Yeah. And I'm finding that when I before I even took all this on, I was like, well, I'm never gonna have time for this. I'm you running a studio. It, I'm running a whole business. I teach. I do massages. It's a very random schedule. I have the opposite of a nine to five gig. <laughs> yeah. You look at any, any days of my week, it is it looks like someone just threw paint up on the wall, splattered it, and those are my hours I'm working. You <laughs> I know? completely like, feel you. Every other hour, you yeah. know, you have a guy. And, then, like, and it's I'm like, here talking with you, and something could have come through where tomorrow all of a sudden I have three more appointments where I thought I was going to have a nice chunk to do a run or something, <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly. So I've had to become really flexible. <laughs> pun intended <laughs> right to you know to make the time and i'm doing that yeah. and it's just been really sweet because then you start to realize what you have to let go of to make that time happen these all these little these little you know spur the moment distractions things you, that don't matter you that prioritize much. now yeah and i realize what i'm gonna probably end up doing with this newly found discipline and proof is you know i don't think i want to train for ironmans forever i want to stay active i'm a very active person so whether i go off road or get into some kayaking or just do some other stuff um i want to get back into my art yeah i've lost that and i always thought i didn't have time for it and now i'm like proving now you know that if there's like a purpose and a reason you can find the time yep. so i realized i gotta like make some uh, goals for my art not just like oh i want to start drawing again you have to have a good why that's too vague yeah right if you don't like, have I a why be a show. It. Yeah. i want to put a show on next year with 10 pieces in it specific now yeah. i gotta produce 10 pieces by january versus yeah. oh, i want to just start painting again that's why we sign up for the race that's right. it, it forces us to be there and yeah. train for it and then it creates that structure in your life that you might have needed yeah. and makes you a better you I love it well Jason this has been amazing I have Thanks, to pull Woody. you off um, real quick but we should do this again sometime um, do a round two we could talk for hours about this kind of stuff love it yeah but uh, we'll catch you guys next week on the price for paradise my name's Woody and aloha